0: And now I have Dr. Joe Podruka on from Mayo. Hey, are you, are you in Rochester at Mayo or are you here in Mayo?
1: No, right here in Lacrosse.
0: You're yep. here in Lacrosse, Okay. And you're a critical care doctor, you're a pediatrician. How long have you been, you been doing that? How long have you been here?
1: Oh, gosh. I've been here maybe four or five years and been a doctor probably for, gosh, 13, 14 years. So got okay. some time under my belt here, but happy to share with the community what, what I might know.
0: Yeah. Okay. So FDA approved the the vaccine. We're kind of hoping that that springs some people to go get it. And also Wisconsin's given a hundred bucks to people who haven't gotten the vaccine yet. So um, what does FDA approval mean to, to, to the people that are hesitant yet to get the vaccine?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we see a lot of parents coming in, you know, waiting for the safety efficacy Um, really putting their hopes on the FDA approval, the uh, Kaiser Family Foundation that does population health expects that 3 in 10 parents or parents of children or individuals uh, that were waiting for FDA approval may pivot to getting that done. And a lot of people may say, well, you know, it, it usually takes years for the FDA to approve medication. What's with the fast track? And again, that has to do with in this case, a life-threatening issue going on, uh, that well-validated mechanism for protecting people, FDA putting all of their resources, putting every other medication on hold to target this thing to get to the logistics, the processing, the waiting in line to get this fast-tracked ahead. So when people ask, well, why did it go so fast? Well, it's because they dumped all their resources into moving it ahead.
0: Yeah, and and so a lot of people also, you know, hey, I want the FDA to approve this, but now Well, I don't know the other people that don't really care about the FDA approval because it came too fast. But when when we we kind of we warp speeded this, right? We we got it done fast. We got the FDA approval done. People are like, well, I don't know about the long term effects of the virus or the long term effects of of the vaccine. I want to know what it's going to do five and 10 years down the road to me before I feel like it's going to be safe. But do, can you explain how th- that's not quite how vaccines work, right? The side effects are going to happen earlier than that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you know, concerning side effects like allergy or neurologic issues, things like that are going to happen at the four to six week mark. So you have, you know, millions of vaccines going into the clinical trials in different populations. That's something that would have been seen back in January, February, and then for the teens probably in March. That just was not seen. So when we look at some of the unusual side effects reported, you we know, want to study it, make sure it's, it's validated. And there's been some questions, you know, people having concerns about fertility or, you know, heart inflammation. We've had that well studied. Extremely rare to have heart inflammation, so four in a million uh, and then compared to having COVID itself, you know, 3% of people having heart inflammation from COVID itself. And then no evidence of fertility issue, issues with uh, the cycles uh, for, for young women. Um, so, you know, we just got to get curious, understanding what, what the data is, reviewing what we know, and then it, putting it back to the, pub, the community. And there's a lot of disinformation out there, but we want to make sure people are well informed.
0: We're speaking with Joe Poderuca. He's a doctor at Mayo, a pediatrician and a critical care doc. Um, So Joe, these are kind of some of the people that that text in in the morning. This is one of the texts I got. The risk far outweighs the benefits of this jab for a vast majority of us. What can you tell this guy? He says, don't take the jab unless you're high risk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, people are smart and we have to be curious about where they're coming from. They they want to get the facts. They want to be educated. So I don't judge anybody that, uh, you know, is having concerns. But, you know, all the doctors, all the scientists, uh, you know, we're, we're saying take it. So, you know, if you trust us to, you know, care for you when you're sick, uh, trust us in this situation with the COVID
0: vaccine. Um, are we seeing, I don't know if you have the data in front of you for local numbers or even Wisconsin, um, but I've seen data in other places i just been from from what i read uh in the cdc has released this just with hospitalizations between vaccinated and unvaccinated it's like upper 90th percentile people that are going to the hospital with covid are going to the hospital because they haven't been vaccinated is do you know can you can you relay that is that how is that working out here in lacrosse
1: yeah so here in lacrosse i can speak for Mayo. you know 95% 95% plus of those that are hospitalized are the unvaccinated. Um, those that are vaccinated, again, can get uh, COVID again, particularly the Delta variant, but the symptoms are minimal. They're not being hospitalized. They're managed as an outpatient. They're doing fine. Um, but, you know, it's it's uh, trying to target those that are unvaccinated ahead is going to be is, is kind of like the last-ditch last effort ahead. It's kind of sad we have some situations where People, you know, still aren't really being sick from COVID and still kind of denying maybe that they have it. And we want to educate them how, how severe this is, So, you know, the, the consequences of where this may go. And, it, you know, that, that's up to us as providers and educating the community. And we want to do our best job
0: on that ahead. Uh, we're, we're starting to get news about a third. Now, some people are calling it a booster shot. Can you explain that? The, how this is? Is it that's the the wrong way to categorize what's going on here with the quote-unquote booster shot. Can you explain what's happening with the third shot?
1: Yeah. So, you know, there's good data out of Mayo, some data out of Israel, that eight months after completing this, the two vaccines at the one J&J, uh, your immunologic response will wane. Maybe instead of 90% effective against symptomatic COVID, if you get reinfected, now it's 60%. Now, the reason for that is that this is not a virus vaccine. Uh, this is simply a protein that's on the virus. So it's, it's not like a, the, the flu shot where we guess what strain of the flu is going to be the worst this year, and then we go for it. People say, oh, I still got the flu. Well, maybe we got the strain wrong that there. In this case, the booster is just a mechanism trying to re-ramp up those protein antibodies that were protect against different uh, different variants of COVID. So so not quite, you know, a booster like it didn't work, but sort of uh, reestablishing protection going to the second Delta surge.
0: Yeah, I've heard the, the term regimen. Is it more like uh, other vaccines that we get that we don't even think about anymore because we got them? You, you had to get like three or four of them when you were young, I don't know. Is are we? I don't even know what vaccines I got when I was a kid, or what. I don't have kids, Joe, so I don't. I don't know. Um, is it? Is it's that 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 sort of regiment of 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 shots as opposed to a flu shot? Because the the COVID virus is different from the flu because the flu is is changing all the time. The COVID COVID virus doesn't change as much, right? Mutate.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a good analogy. Like you have to take these vaccine series to make sure that. You know, your, your immune system is good. We do that in kids. Some older folks need another, quote, booster for that. Uh, some of that's part of the standard uh, regimen. But, you know, in this situation with the, the, the COVID and the, the variants, we're learning things all the time. So when, we, the, you know, medical community pivots on, well, now you need a booster for immunosuppressed. well Now everybody needs a booster. It's, it's based on, you know, what we're learning about the virus. Uh, how our bodies are responding. Um, so, you know, it can be a lot, really confusing for a lot of people out there. Why are they doing this? Now we're doing this. Now we need another vaccine. But they're going with what they're seeing. And uh, just be patient with how that folds out and get some reliable resources if you have questions. CDC is a great website or Mayo Clinic.
0: Um, and then with, with the fact that we, we're at the point here where some of us are getting a third booster, I think the most immune compromised people, maybe in nursing homes are getting this. Um, but this is a worldwide, is it a pandemic still, Joe? Are we, Dr. Padruca, are we still in a pandemic? Is it a epidemic? How do we categorize this? And the fact that what I'm trying to get is we're getting a third booster shot while other parts of the world aren't getting, even getting one shot at this point.
1: Yeah, no, this is, this is probably the fourth wave in this current pandemic. So across the world, we're fortunate in the United States. Now we're having a really a surplus of vaccines to the point where you know, to get people motivated, even giving money. And I know they did that in Minnesota. I think that runs out this week. But now uh, Governor Evers offering that for uh, you yourself or your child above 12. So if that's a motivating factor, some people need the money. But with the FDA approval, that does bring way for uh, mandates in the workplace and then for schools, namely colleges. So I can get where people are feeling like this is maybe an infringement on on their rights and everything, but um, this FDA approval does make way for that work in
0: school. Um, and and just lastly, the the situation with you know the the Delta and the, the, we're getting cases now that it's spreading more easily, and we're just we're getting more cases in the area. How how are things? I guess in the COVID ward at mail?
1: Yeah, so I know between uh, Mayo and Gunderson, uh, we're at capacity. So uh, it's a day-to-day being on kind of internal versus external diversion, not taking patients from the outside, but also wanting to balance caring for you out in the community. If you get a heart attack, if you have a stroke, we, making sure we can get you in and take care of you or we're not filled up with COVID patients. So that's the fine balance. But we are ahead case-wise and hospital capacity-wise Uh, It's more burdensome than we were at this point last fall. So as we go into college ramping up, you know, October fest, schools, what is this going to look like ahead? We don't want to have a strain on our burden of medical resources. We want to serve the community. We want to defend the city and the region. So it's a day-by-day process at this point.
0: All right, selfishly way sidebar here. Uh, I have a history of colon cancer in my family. My uncle just died of that. Uh, and I'm, I just turned 43. Do I need to get into the hospital quick and get a, is it a colonoscopy? I don't even want to say the word.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it might be time for you, Rick. Unfortunately, that's part of the mandatory screening period, but with risk factors might not be a bad idea.
0: All right. I didn't want to ask it, but I, I feel, uh, just cause, uh, I have some of that in my family. So, I mean, that's, that's something when people, when men hit 40 or everyone hits 40 or how does that work? You know? Yeah,
1: you know, if there's certain risk factors, maybe that can be bumped up
0: um, 10 years
1: from uh, that mark. But uh, uh, other hereditary conditions um, might give credence getting earlier screening. But that's the problem, Rick, right? is that, you know, at what point does hospital capacity for COVID burden uh, impact? where if you can't get your routine, we have to postpone your routine colonoscopy. We miss it. Boom, six months later, you have colon cancer. We, we could have picked that up. So we don't want to get to that place, but that is the threat ahead. And that's what they're seeing in the South right now. Yeah. So uh, a projection say we may get there by November. Again, in this area, a lot of it depends on how we go about mitigating COVID, social distancing, masking, vaccine rates, if you get your kid uh, vaccine,
0: Yeah, and that's, that's why I brought it up because I, I'm like, oh, I better do this soon because rounding-
1: you... It's been a challenge, I think, and we got to get them there.
0: Yeah, and that's why I brought that up, Dr. Podruka. I, I I, was thinking, you know what, I better do this soon because you never know what uh, the next week or the next month is going to bring with this virus.
1: Totally. Great idea. I like that public health message.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for joining us, man. Yep. Thank you. Take care. That's Dr. Joe Padruca at Mayo. He's a pediatrician and a critical care doctor there. That was some good stuff. All right. Uh,